0: We're back! We're back! It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? I'm good, man. How are things? No voice cracking this time. I'm very like firm, and virile voice. Going, yeah, we're back. We did
1: a, We did a nice warm up. I think we're both ready to go this time. We're I guess back. we can now tell uh, listeners. I had like four and a half hours sleep in that last episode, which is why I was so full of piss and vinegar. <laughs> and uh, this time, I got a great night's sleep. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and your voice sounds like that of a, an adult man, so we're, we're off to a great start. This is a, uh,
0: vacation episode, a throwaway episode, so
1: we're, at going no, like... No, we don't, there's no throwaway episodes, no plays off. We're going to
0: right to remembering guys and doing the fun bag before we do that raw, you know, there's something that I wanted you to do, like, I think one or two podcasts ago, and I forgot to do it, and I know you've done it publicly, but, uh, in the past, but in honor of Ray Liotta's, uh, passing... You do a magnificent Ray Liotta impression. <laughs> Could you please just regale me with that one more time for me, not even for the audience? Fuck the audience. Just do it for me.
1: Just it's please. hard. Uh, this is it, I haven't you know I haven't had time to get in the right headspace or uh, think about it. Let me see if I can, actually. So the bit that I did um, in the Leota voice for work was I read the um, the about section of uh, the Italian sandwich truck that we used to love at the old office space. <laughs> they have a. Uh, like, a, like an hour story bit. Uh, Desos. We love DSO's. Um All right. So let me uh, try this here in a Leota voice. This is um, them describing what led them to start a truck where they sell Italian sandwiches out of it. Okay. Growing up, Italian sandwiches were a staple in our neighborhoods. And where to find the best Italian sandwich was a topic of conversation. It meant that being the go-to sandwich spot was like being crowned the king of New York. That's about as much as I can do. Uh, the next uh, sentence isn't that great.
0: Uh, you know what I like? I just like any impression that I'm not expecting. Like, yeah, like everybody does Pacino, and they do like yeah. Christopher Walken. You know,
1: uh, <laughs> it's all these are just sounds. But yeah, yes. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. They're all they're all just sounds. But like when you when you hit me with a Ray Liotta, or you hit me with like a really good Jeff Goldblum, I I, I enjoy that quite. Yeah,
1: a bit. I think I mean I'm kind of doing an accidental bad Jeff Goldblum every episode we do. But there is, like, yeah, something to having, like, um like I used to have, like, a Steve Buscemi <laughs> that I would try sometimes. Was it good? And there's not No, not really. I mean, it's just kind of, like, all accents, you know, like, if you do them badly enough, like, you sound Scottish, you know? Like, I think I was able to <laughs> mostly stay off of that continuum with Buscemi, but See, it's, the, like, it's a, there's not as much reason to do it. The key with Goldblum is
0: uh, you have to make strange pauses. Um, almost as if you're
1: thinking about, well, what the next word's going like, yeah, to be. Yeah. And you this. need, but it's like, you need to be calm in the way that Goldblum is. Cause he's, he pauses in weird ways and he seems like he's thinking. And yet I think is like, has like a almost sociopathic poise. So it's all performance. You have to be really commanding to do.
0: Yeah. That. It's I mean. very, it's very smooth and very oily. And I, I do enjoy a good, like Duchovny's on SNL was really, really yes. good. Hey, your guy of the week. Uh, right at the front. It's John Wallace. You were that guy, Roth. Oh yes, John, John Wallace, Syracuse legend, John Wallace in the house. Oh my god. Oh my god. Remember him when he was N- not on the a Knicks? New York Nick
1: legend. Yeah, more not- of a Syracuse legend. He
0: was definitely. He was in the. Uh, he was in that that era of New York Knicks basketball where, like, the main character for many many years was Allen Houston's contract. Like, that's the sort of. <laughs> Like those are those that's the real sort of pure
1: uncut nickness that I that I think about when I think of the Knicks. Yeah. I read um Chris Herring's book Blood in the Garden about the nineties Knicks, and there's some stuff in there about the good teams that I you know was I was never a fan of those teams, but it's great stuff. I mean, it's just like if you could write about Anthony Mason um like in a book, I would read an effectively infinite amount of yes. stories about him. But the bad teams, when it wasn't working, the one season when Don Nelson was there, there's oh, so much. Oh, that's right. They were so weird in a way that, like, <laughs> I don't think that good teams are weird anymore. Because it was like, he tried to get them to play, like, a different sort of, like, faster type of style. And they were like, no, we like to punch, and we like to bite, and we like to kick. And, like, we're not. And so, like, Wallace getting dropped out of, like, a situation where you were the go-to guy for the second best team in college basketball. And then suddenly you're, like, on the bench, buried behind, like, a bunch of, like, nine-year NBA veterans, all of whom, like, fight every single day in practice. It's probably, like—you can't say that's why it didn't work out for John Wallace, but it couldn't have been easy. It is amazing, though, to think about Don Nelson,
0: like, being in New York, like, at practice, just with, like, smoking, like, the absolute most primo shit possible. Yes. And being like, listen, guys— Like, wide open, spread open offenses.
1: This is the way of the future. This is how the NBA is going to look. And (laughs) Anthony Mason just being like, fuck that. There was definitely also the idea of going from Pat Riley to Don Nelson. Like, in terms of just, just in terms of the suits is really, because I remember Don Nelson, like, I know he didn't, but I remember him literally wearing one of those, like, fish ties that people used to wear as, like, a signifier that you're an oaf in, like, 70s movies where the fish looks like a trout. Like, that's, like, how Don Nelson dresses to me.
0: I was always when I was uh, when I was a teenager. I was thought like, if I had to dress up, if I had a tie that had like little things on it, like I like my, and my it was all ties my mom gave me, right? So it was like, you know, like little pieces of sushi. She's like you like sushi, Andrew? Like oh yeah, <laughs> oh, it's great. I love it. You know, and like there was I had a one with little Vikings logos and stuff. And you grow up and it's like it's like the underoos of ties. You're like yep.
1: okay, maybe I
0: maybe I should be wearing more sort of abstract.
1: Bags. Right. Like, I might be grown up enough to have to wear formal clothes, but I want you to know that right now I'm just thinking about Maki. Nonstop. That's my whole thing.
0: Let's uh, let's do some fun bag action for the summer. Uh, Michael yeah. writes in, we have motion-controlled lights in the office, and there's a row of desks without hand-waving access to a sensor. What would be the best animal... To keep in the office, to keep the lights on, or to summon a stampede around the office to strip the sensors? We want an office monkey, but we're afraid the school board would not approve it. What are your <laughs> thoughts? What would be the ideal animal to keep inside an office to keep the motion lights on at the same time? This seems like a lazy man working twice as hard, where you yeah. just don't have a motion sensor
1: light, and you just keep it on. But I like the idea, anyway, of, of same. Home. I also like the idea that this is the motion sensor thing is probably put in there to like save some energy or whatever, and that instantly everybody is scheming where they're like, no, we want them on, and we want something dangerous to live in the office with us to help (laughs) us with it. Like, which is that American ingenuity. That's That's how we. uh, That's how we won a couple. Well, won World War. The. uh, What would you do? In terms of, like, like, an office monkey, in that case, would just be constantly clamoring around and flinging stuff, and so that would that would keep it triggered. Well, also, wouldn't it die? Like, someone has to take well, care of the office monkey. like no, I this. mean, you just, there's always, if it's in a teacher's lounge, for instance, or, I mean, that's what I keep thinking of here, because you got the... It sure sounds school. like a teacher's lounge. But. Yeah, so in that case, there's always, like, some donut holes there, and, you know, bad coffee. I'm assuming that... I mean, it wouldn't be the healthiest monkey in the world, but I think it would probably be able to get by on that. Just the stuff that's left around. What about your turtles, Roth? Those are from pretty hyperactive creatures, turtles. I do that much. I mean, I wish that. Uh, well, so one of them passed. Uh, oh, my God. I'm so I, sorry. No, it's okay. It's sad. Uh, so the one that's left is obviously, you would not be surprised to learn, like a much more high energy creature. But even there, it's like. Most of the day, it sits on a rock with its legs sticking out in weird ways, looking upset. Like, and that's like more or less what it does. Like, hey, that'd
0: be me when I turn sixty; it'd be great.
1: Right. I was going to say, there's no. It's not wearing like tube socks while it's doing it, but otherwise, yes, yeah, similar similar energy. I don't know. I mean, because like you can't trust a dog or a cat to do anything. Yeah, but like, like Carter would fail every motion sensor test imaginable. Carter would be bad, but Carter
0: is like one of those dogs that thinks he's a cat like in a good way because he's very, you know, you take him out three times a day and other than that all he does is sit on the couch and then eat and that's like it. Like he doesn't even really, he's too lazy to like bark at the doorbell anymore. But yeah. like my neighbors, they have a different breed of dog. Well, this dog, like yeah, he has to be walked like 19 times a day and like he's so strong, yeah, keep him, like his leash is like the tensile strength of like a fucking suspension bridge cable because that's the sort of breed he is, right? It's tough. So yeah. you get like, you get a, a hunting dog or you get a a uh, uh, that kind of breed like if you put them in an office they're not going to sit still they're going to be like they're going to be like fucking running around like creating centrifugal force until like the the office itself begins to tilt.
1: Yeah, I like it. That might be the answer here. Is it what we need is like a a 10-month old Rhodesian Ridgeback is the answer to the question of what lives in the office.
0: Yeah. I mean if Rip Taylor was still alive
1: you could do him too. That would yes. be great. Throwing confetti, doing the...
0: <laughs> Alex- so yes,
1: that's, that'll be our answer. Ridgeback 1, Rip Taylor 1A. Alex writes, what's
0: the deal with people who are named John going by Jack, like JFK or Jack Ryan do? My only person who considers those to be completely different names, or am I crazy? Is it acceptable for Jack to be sh- a shorthand for John? It's the same amount of letters,
1: Roth. What's the deal? I feel like that is something that I've, n- I've never fully understood that american name way thing where you would just because this was like it's a mid-century thing i don't think it happens as much anymore where people just like could pick another name to go by that wasn't their name and everybody would be like all right yeah that's fine like i'll just call you that and so like the idea that you could i remember there was a guy that was a county executive in the county where i grew up who he had it on his signs his name was william schuber And he would go by Pat. And so it would just, his signs would be like William, quote, Pat, unquote, Schubert. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like William Patrick Schubert. He was just like, no, I I think I prefer Pat. (laughs) And you had, I guess like everybody had to go along with it. I mean, he kept getting elected. But it was just really bizarre to me that that that, like, Jack and John to me is like, you know, it's just sort of, it's like if I asked you to start calling me Davey. Like, it's a little weird. But you can see how I got there. Yeah, but if like your if your nickname was like Duck instead, you're like,
0: yeah. Hey, right. Most most David's go by Duck. Like that would be weird. <laughs> but nice. you know what it is? I I know I've been thinking about it, and I realized that um, the reason that that there are nickname derivations like that, I think, is because it comes from a time when many many children, particularly boys, were named after the father, and so you would need a nickname for differentiation oh, like between between yeah. father and son because if you, if it's just John if you have a household that has you know two Johns in it and they're all you know answering to John it's going to be a fucking mess so you just like you're just like uh, go by his middle name or by Jack all right fine Jack we'll just do that so almost like necessity just so they can just because they were too lazy to actually come up with yeah with a different so name like they they
1: couldn't forsake their vanity and not name their child after them right <laughs> we're going to do the confusing thing and then we're going to do another confusing thing to remedy the initial confusing decision that we made there was so a, I was going to ask is this a wasp thing then it is right uh, yeah i
0: think so it reminds me of uh there's a scene in working girl which is a movie from the 80s and that's it's really old to bring that up but it like it's a great movie
1: it's a classic and
0: there's a uh, and there's a scene where Harrison Ford goes in with Melanie Griffith into a, like a, a corporate party. And they have to pretend like they know the people that are there because they're faking it. And so like Harrison Ford is getting intel on this guy's daughter, and her name's Elizabeth. He's like, okay, well, what, what's her nickname? Is it, is it Liz? Is it Beth? Is it Lizzie? And the person goes, Bitsy. And he's like, Bitsy fuck. All right. Like, would never thought of that. And like, but it makes you remember that the taxonomy of nicknames, particularly like master nicknames, like Elizabeth, like those have a lot of fucking variations on them. They have like a fucking family tree of nicknames
1: going underneath them. Bitsy is, I mean, again, one of those things where there may, we may have seen our last Bitsy. Like I've, I know that like John Boyce has been tracking the, like who is going to be the last Gary to play like major league baseball that like we are losing some of these names at this point. But I think that, like, Bitsy is a very, uh, like, I don't know, that era, like, that's a, that's a good 80s joke about a rich person, but I don't know what that person would be named now. They'd be named, like, Kylie, but it would be spelled with, like, there'd be, like, multiple Y's involved, but not at the end of the word. Yeah, like, but it's all different. Like,
0: in Wasp circles, those names do come back. Like, you wouldn't have thought, like, there would be any new Millies, and yet Billy, Millie Bobby Brown is, like, one of the, like, hottest young actresses. In, in the industry right now. And I I don't mean hot, like, appearance-wise. I mean I know. Career-wise. Everybody knows. That, so, being very- just so people don't know, I'm a fucking pervert for Millie Bob- Bobby Brown or some shit like that. Trying to make sure that that is clear.
1: Well, as long as long as you keep underlining it, I think people will probably be willing to take your word for it. <laughs> yes, this is true.
0: Uh, all right. So let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with more fun Dad, We'll be right back.
1: <laughs> We're back with a uh, little summer fun bag edition of The Distraction. It's just me and Roth again. We're actually going to have to start Booker's already got his bathing suit and floaties on. He is ready to go. I think I mentioned this earlier, but I, I, I have a Tommy Bahama uh,
0: bathing suit now. I'm a Tommy Bahama guy. Like, we have the Tommy Bahama beach chair. They're very good wow. beach chairs. So, like, next up is the shirts. Like, I saw them at Nordstrom Rack when I was in San Francisco, and
1: I was like, I was like, not bad. Yeah, that Not you bad have sport. to know there's no coming back from that, though. No, no
0: I'll be wearing that and, like, the bowling shirts that, like, Larry David wore on Curb. Like, that's like You, be... like,
1: will fall through a wormhole and wind up in, like, a Margaritaville in Indianapolis, Indiana. Just be like, I don't know how this happened. You know what? I'm just gonna let it happen. Whatever
0: happens, yeah. happens. It's fine. Uh, Steve writes in, if a friend offered you a million dollars, could you keep a pair of ski boots on, never taking them off ever for one calendar year but you never tell anyone why you have them on.
1: Can you so do that? Just a million dollars for one year? Yeah, just a million dollars. Like, I know, it's like, just a million? Like, shit, that don't... I, I think I've been spoiled because there's all these, like... It's like a Twitter thing where they're like, if I gave you, like, $500,000, could you eat all this? And it's like a Five Guys burger and some fries with it. And you're just kind of like, yeah, I could, I could do that for $12. Like, in this case, this actually sounds unpleasant, And while a million dollars would change my life, it would not, like, there's definitely a part of me that at this point, like, I'm lazy enough and I have very few expensive habits at this point in my life that I might just be like, no, that sounds hard. I don't think I'm going to do that.
0: Yeah, if you can't ever take them off, like, if you can't take them off when
1: you sleep, like, one of the best things... shower, like, there's all water in them. Yeah, come on,
0: give me, you're going to get trench foot and you're going to have your legs amputated. Like, it's not, it's not going to be worth it. And, like, you know what, the... you know the the flip side of that is that when you take your ski boots off after merely having them on for a few hours after a
1: day of skiing, it feels fucking amazing. Yeah, I was gonna say to your like trench foot point. It's been a minute since I skied, but I remember having that feeling like after wearing them for three hours. Yeah, yeah. That, Like it's just a I, it's crazy. So you feel you, liberated. You do ski. Yes. Like I do. have they disrupted that technology at all, or are they still just like hard plastic? nightmares that you have to like clomp around in i think the very very high-end ones
0: are, are quite comfortable but that's not what i get because I, I rent i don't even own ski boots. yeah so, right because i don't ski frequently enough to to buy them so you know i end up with rental ones and you know they're not they're not comfortable but you deal with them like so long as they're tight and i'm
1: not gonna like die like i that's that's all I need out of a ski boot, yeah, but like I yeah, never liked the, them, yeah. but I could definitely tell that it was like this is the reason that I am not breaking my ankles, that's I wasn't right. like a good enough skier, so I was like, all right, you know whatever, I'll take that deal,
0: yeah, you, there's no choice, you have to walk around like Frankenstein while you're in the chalet and all that stuff, but like it's worth it to keep them on your on your you know to keep you safe while you're skiing, but like also, you know you're gonna be able to take them off like at some yeah. point, uh if I had to go a whole year knowing I had to wait a year to take them off, like, that the the gratification would be that
1: delayed, I would not be able to survive. I really wouldn't. So I think we both answered this question in the negative then. Yep. I may never ski again. And I don't, I think it's just because I don't have kids or whatever, but I can't imagine, like, that there's any circumstances under which I would, like... The wife and I would be like, you want to hit the slopes this weekend? Like, no, we're not going to do that. Should you and
0: I go skiing? Can,
1: can I we, go we like, probably should go can skiing. Can we go like Jackson Hole? Like a like a guy's vacation? Hell yeah. That would be, I mean, it would also be good because I, I finally, I've not gotten to see night Drew in a really long while. The idea of like ski lodge, like extremely high Drew, just like sort of <laughs> having thoughts that would be the best part of it for me. That's that right. and Removing the ski boots.
0: That's right. It would be like it would be like living inside this podcast. And who
1: who wouldn't <laughs> enjoy that? Right. I ask. Imagine you. an episode that doesn't end for two days.
0: Uh, Kaylee writes in. My husband and I were were recently at Disney World. We were eating at a restaurant when we saw a dad pull down his to- toddler's pants, place a clear black. Place a clear bag over his kid's junk and the kid proceeds to pee in the bag. I don't no. have kids, so I try not to judge, but this was weird and disturbing to me. Like, holy shit, who the fuck thinks this is okay? Levels of weird. What? Am I wrong? I, Roth, you no. don't have kids. I have kids. I have never done that in a restaurant.
1: I, that, I've never seen it. I've never, and you know, obviously I have like a fairly dedicated uncle. That is absolutely out of bounds behavior. Yeah. Like, it's also one of those things, and you do see this every now and then, where it's like, I don't even know where you got that idea. Like, that's just not, like, the sort of thing where, you know, there's, like, some people do stuff, and you're like, well, we don't do it like that in our family. This isn't the kind of thing where you, like—it's not that there's not a norm against it. It's that, like, it is just not done. It's also—it's <laughs> so unnecessary. It's yeah. Put, put,
0: we have the kid wear a fucking diaper. Like, it's not really not— that kid's clearly not potty trained. Like either either the kid is potty trained and can use a toilet, or like you gotta you gotta keep you gotta got wear training pants. It's fine. Yeah, the idea, no that actually in. sounds
1: way harder too. The idea of just being like you're carrying bags like like you have a corgi or something that you're walking, but it's a child. Like come on, man.
0: I uh, I'm quite certain that I have either seen um, parents in a restaurant change their kid's diaper at the table. Or that I have mm. done that myself because there wasn't, like, a
1: bathroom available and a changing table. Like, Is that just, like, a fog-of-war parent thing? Yeah. Because like, I like, feel like with diapers, everybody gets a little bit of a dispensation because they're like, look, nobody likes this. Like, this is going to be unpleasant for everyone involved. You just got to do it. Like, with diapers, like, like,
0: once the diaper has to be changed, particularly if it's a turd, like, the pressure's on. Like, you
1: have mm. to get it
0: off because— The clock is ticking. The clock is ticking because— First of all, it's obviously gross for the kid to be singing their own filth, but like they're screaming their head off. Like and they're going to keep screaming their head off until the diapers change. So that automatically triggers your fight or flight. Like like I have to fucking do this. And there comes a point where you're like like you know, it's not like the twenty; it's like in your twenties you're like, Oh, we're gonna we're gonna fuck in the bushes and I don't care if anybody sees us. By the time you have kids, you're like, I gotta change this diaper and I don't care if anybody sees us. Like that's where <laughs> that's where the shift goes. That's where your loss yeah. of inhibition
1: happens. Like. Yep. <laughs> Which is, I, I think there's something probably healthy about like that loss of vanity just from a like, you know, like just as in terms of personal development, it is tough that it is literally like wrung out of you because it's like you have to um, like be in a mall with a pantsless toddler wiping its ass, you know, but it is like that is definitely a way to get vanity out of a person.
0: Well, the other thing is you haven't let go of your vanity yet when you are a new parent. And so I just remember, like I would do all these, um, I would do all this emergency shit with my kids. Like one time we had a little baby Bjorn toilet in the backseat of the car, and I had to take my one of my sons at the playground. I had to take him to take a shit in our trunk, in like the little toilet. And so, like you do it because you have to do it, but you are always, always cognizant that someone can see you doing it, and and that's it's it is a tough hump to overcome.
1: Yeah, I'd imagine. Although it's like at that point, you know, whatever, you'd had kids by that point. So you knew you were like in the dad headspace, like you had entered the the mentality. But yes, that does seem like even there, like I guess like the abstraction of it of just being like, well, this is a thing that dads do. And it's, you know, like at some point you're still like standing over the trunk of your car watching like a. 20-pound person take a shit and encouraging them. Yeah. And that's, like, maybe not how you had it drawn up.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, I think everyone is, like, like, oh, I have to change a diaper. Like, ooh, poop is gross. Like, that part, no, no new parent gives a fuck about any of that. It's really just the, oh, God, I am being judged part of everything. Done. Yeah,
1: having to, like, just make all kinds of, like, broken field plays with uh, involved, <laughs> involving and like one unreasonable party that won't stop screaming and two like gross body stuff.
0: Uh, Ryan writes in: What's worse, the five worst Adam Sandler movies or the five worst Eddie Murphy movies? That's a
1: tough one, isn't it? It is a tough one. Uh, Very hard. So, yeah, because I feel like the the bad Eddie Murphy movies. Oh, actually, I mean, I really haven't seen either of those but i've seen more of the bad eddie murphy movies and they're bad like they're (laughs) bad in a way that like like i've seen you know maybe 20 minutes of pluto nash and like it's all that you dreamed like because he doesn't (laughs) get to like do in a lot of them like i know like in norbit and stuff he gets to do the eddie murphy thing where he like puts on wigs and and does voices norbit cost him
0: an oscar too
1: yeah Eddie Murphy, I I guess he did right for Dreamgirls. He would have won. Yeah, he would have
0: won. He's terrific in Dreams Girls, but he was. I remember there was an interview with him where they were like, "Hey, man, why don't why don't you play this kind of part more often?" Like he did in Dreamgirls, and he was like, "Nobody ever asks me." And I was like, "I was like, I believe that." And I was like, "Shit, people should ask Eddie Murphy to do cool shit." Yeah, more often because otherwise he's going to make fucking Metro, and you
1: know, right? Like that's the part of it that like is kind of weird with it because like he really can do anything. I mean, like he to me is like. At the very least, like, 80s, Eddie Murphy was, like, pretty much the funniest person that has ever been. Sure. And, like, and I don't even love the stand-up. I mean, he was just, like, capable of wringing shit out of scenes. Like, I mean, Beverly Hills Cop is one of those things where it's, like, it's not actually a very good movie. And it was definitely not, like, written as, like—it was written for Sylvester Stallone. Like, it, was. it was. not. That's right. Like— and yet, like, he's able to, like, just get juice out of scenes simply by being fucking cool and exciting to watch and funny. Yeah, he
0: carries the movie by sheer force of will. Like, that's what great movie stars do.
1: Yeah, and I feel like he's spent a lot of, like, that sort of weird—because he doesn't do anything now unless he wants to, I feel like, which is probably for the best— but that period in, like, the 90s and, like, early aughts, you know, like, the Meet Dave years for him, like, Ooh, I feel yeah, like he was... That's tough. I mean, again, I didn't see the movies. Um, all I can go on is that Armand White thought they were all great. Yeah! Said, yeah. <laughs> but, that, like, there's... It, it feels like he was, like, trying to see how heavy a weight he could lift all by himself, and that's, like... I don't know that he was trying the hardest. I do think that, like, when Sandler... Is not trying. He is really not trying.
0: Yeah, and they're all kind of the same. So yeah. there's like this. At least with the five worst Eddie Murphy movies, I could like, I they they may all be bad in sort of different ways, and I might you know find sort of amusing things about like, wow, he must have really fucking hated this scene or something like that. Adam Sandler movies, it's just he fucked around on vacation. and yep. made the laziest movie he could. It was a, it was a piece of shit just like the last one, so.
1: Yeah, and it's like all his fucking frat buddies are there, like, sitting on a couch being like, no way, dude. And then, like, <laughs> and so, <laughs> fucking Nick Swardson's got, like, fake teeth in. Like, no thanks. Uh, I, it, go ahead. I was just going to say that it's made it harder for me to accept the fact that he's, like, the Sandler-sance is, like, real and happening right now like and he is good when he tries. It's just like there's a part of me where I'm still like not even that I was burned by those. I was like, "Oh right, the, from when you made like fart vacation with right. like Brooklyn Decker, like now I have to go like watch your movies cuz you're trying again." Yeah, I mean, cuz when he tries, man, he you or you remember, oh
0: right, he's a fucking fantastic performer. Yeah. That's why he's Did you
1: laughing. watch the the, the basketball one that's on Netflix? No,
0: I haven't watched it. I I uh cuz like because he's a cause he's a scout for the Sixers. I was like, I don't want to watch it. That. That's yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, that was the, the final straw for me. And so, so if he had
1: been like, if he, it was all like, you just flip the entire thing, but it's not Wancho Hernan Gomez. It's Anthony Edwards in the lead and he's scouting for the wolves. He would have been there like opening night streaming the shit. Uh, you know what? I probably still wouldn't have watched it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm a busy uh, man. Speaking of which Andrew writes in, we'll make this our last question. Uh, how much do shitty Hollywood movies determine how we react to serious events for example, at the beginning of the pandemic, I semi-seriously pictured the first 20 minutes of I Am Le- Legend as a potential outcome for this virus, whereas what I probably should have been thinking was about washing my hands and not picking my nose and then eating it. <laughs> I think this is a very real thing
1: Yeah, that I, happens. So I think the answer to the question is a lot. Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. I, yeah, because it's just like, I think also, I think the Trump administration proved this where... You know, for him, everything was a TV show. You've written that yep. before. But, you know, that's not just him. You know, it's really not. It's a lot of people where it's just, here's the thing that's happening inside my phone or inside my box. And, you know, wow, that's that's pretty fucking crazy, man. That shit is wild. And, like, yeah. that's kind of it. Like, you know, like the real stuff. It never uh, It never hits you until it hits you.
1: Yeah, I think there's, like, two parts of that. I mean, I agree with what you just said for sure, but I think there's, like, two parts of it because, like, what you're identifying there, and I think this does come a lot from, like, from TV and, and movies, but also just, you know, from everywhere in the culture, that, like, that tendency to sort of see yourself as, like, the main, like, the protagonist of reality. You yeah, know? I do it all so the like, time. I love doing Yeah, that. same. So I mean, I thought. think it's, how are you not going to? You know, that, like, and that's definitely, like, when it's, fun and like kind of harmless like if i'm like walking around like on a crowded sidewalk listening to music and like imagining myself in one like a spikely dolly shot or something like that it's like yeah fine like that's neat yeah you know, that kicks like that's, ass but that's what living in you know new york is all about but it's also kind of like what living is like about it's fun there's just also that other element and this is where like i think the you know not just the, the Trump administration is like maybe an apotheosis of it um you know you don't know how many other Trump administrations we're going to get oh. but there is that like tendency of like not just like seeing it all as tv but seeing it as like cuz i think he was like living life like he was in entertainment tonight until he started living life like he was on fox and that's like really dark you <laughs> know that like cuz i think especially like you see the way that that cable news like changes the way that people think about things where like especially you know fox isn't about like opposing perspectives or debate anymore like all that shit's by the boards it's just like 24 hours a day beating on about how like the people that disagree with you are subhuman and want to do bad things to your kids or whatever and that like really messes with people's brains i think
0: yeah, well it, it does that too but also i think the people who work in television kind of at any at any network they're only the only thing they really give a shit about is like making good television yeah. And, like, whatever human collateral damage happens in the process of that, they don't give a oh, fuck at all. Yeah.
1: like, And I think it's—there like, was—did you read any of those long-time stories about, like, Tucker Carlson's show? I mean, no. I read the one Columbia
0: Journalism review uh, profile of Tucker, where he was mm-hmm. just a complete cock to the writer. It, yeah. Completely in character. But, like— I don't I don't need another profile where it's like well he's just such an intelligent person how do oh, you come it to this Oh it like, wasn't
1: it wasn't it was about the sh- the show because they do cuz yes I mean obviously I feel like I you know I've read those too and like at some point like he's not going to give you any new shit and also he's not really a very interesting man no, at this point of course not a, Yeah like but the show like what you to the point that you were just making about like trying to make good TV like they do like basically minute by minute breakdowns of people's attention and stuff like that. And then follow it. Like it's basically like it's analytics, like the way that like basketball and like soccer teams do analytics. Like, like, a, like just, a, like a, like
0: a, like an election focus group where they turn the yes, dial. One exactly. Way another, right? But with every episode.
1: And so, and they just go where it leads regardless of, or where it points. Of course, regardless of what that means. And so if they like notice, they're like, Oh, you know, like the, the target demo really loves our great replacement stuff they're just going to fucking do more great replacement stuff. Yeah, of course. Which is odious. I think that's the uh, to back to this the initial question though that like in terms of like entertainment and how it does that stuff. I think that that like there's a big sort of like hump to get over in terms of like understanding why things don't work because like so much of like the television I think that we get shows us institutions that maybe they're like thwarted or they're maybe they don't really deal with the underfunding stuff and it's like why every fucking cop show it just like they look like they you know all the like csis where it looks like they work inside of like a an iphone like everything's just like kind of gleaming and perfect and they're always touching a screen and saying enhance right but there is like that you get shown people doing their best and mostly doing a good job and that's like part of the fun of it you know is that like you solve the puzzle at the end of the episode and i think like the the hardest thing, I think, you know, you can see this in the culture during the Trump administration, and I think it's a different version of it under Biden, where, like, they're doing a worse job in a worse way, in a more cynical and kind of, like, checked-out way than I've been conditioned to expect. Like, I, if I see, like, a bad—if I think of a bad president, it's like Donald Moffat getting told off by Jack Ryan in clear and present danger. How dare you, you know, like, sir? Oh, how dare you, sir? Right, yes. Like, and— that's not, like, even what we get. Like, it's like it's just some fucking 77-year-old man watching television all day long and, like, eating Three Musketeers bars.
0: That's one of the reasons why I was actually... I was going to blog it, but I... um I just... I tucked it into to a fun bag at one point, but I really don't like it um, when people use the word dystopia or dystopian online because mm-hmm. I think what happens is if you take reality and you essentially put it in a context where it sounds more fictional like oh i'm living in a sci-fi movie that allows yourself to divorce um yeah. your sort your your connection with what's actually going on and you you almost you take the real and you make it surreal and like it sounds like good copy you know when you're on social media or whatever but it ends up you know it ends up really with you not engaging properly with what's at hand because it's much more fun to be like, Oh, I'm in a movie and I yeah. do this too. So like, you know, it's 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 not good. You're trained to sort of think of all these grandiose things, you know, and, and being in the middle of it and, you know, like you said, protagonist of reality. But that, you know, that also is a way of pacifying you to prevent you from, from acting in moments when, you know, really like everybody should be marching all the time and and, and the right people <laughs> yes. should be storming the Capitol instead of the fuckers, but not, right. That's just yeah. No.
1: That's definitely there's something to that. I think that like, and it's hard to. It's dispiriting. I mean, I have this issue. It's why I don't write as often as I should about any topic, but I mean, especially about this, is that like, when things are as stupid and sort of cynical as they are, which they, you know, is pretty stupid and pretty cynical. Like, it's hard to have much to sort of say about it. Like, because you know, you want to like sort of unpack things and and sort of find you know, a higher truth or more interesting angle or whatever it is that you sort of set out to write. And like, it just like it's veep, it's veep every fucking day. (laughs) And that is like really, you know, that's the one thing there is to say. And so you have to either keep finding new ways to um, say it or like you get really into fantasy sports. Hey,
0: you know what? Let's not end on that one
1: because let's end, let's end on an
0: appropriately stupid question from Juha who writes in, is it okay to wear seasonal novelty underwear after the season in question is over. <laughs> my wife gave me grief about wearing Christmas-themed boxers in January, but in my opinion, they're still perfectly usable underwear, and unlike holiday sweaters, no one except her and maybe some guys in the gym changing rooms will see them. Who's
1: right here? I've I've worn Christmas-themed boxers all year, because yeah, like you said, I, no one's going to... No you got to live it. your life, man. Uh, to me, like, there's definitely something about this is what I want our listeners to be like. I wish every question was like this. <laughs> that it was just somebody, because it's really easy to imagine this guy just kind of getting up and like going to the dresser and being like, that "Candy canes, you could can eat those any time of year." Like just like putting on some some goofy boxers or socks like that. Uh, I would say that the in terms of it's if it's underwear, like go with God, do what you feel is best. That's that's your business. I would say that wearing, like, Santa Claus socks in a way where they might be seen in, like, July, that's one that you'd probably, at the very least, be prepared to explain. Yeah,
0: that. if they're going to be visible,
1: that's that's tough. Yeah. That's tough for you.
0: All right. That's it. Brandon Nixon, Chantel Holder are our producers. We did it. Nora Ritchie is our executive producer. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. And thanks to us, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Just go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, whatever it is that you listen. And go subscribe to defector.com too, while you're at it. Also, Roth and I, we're not here next week, so you get this episode, but we're going to have a gap week, and then we will be back with a guest after that, uh, right around, uh, if not on 4th of July, after the 4th of July. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be, be a
1: shockingly tan
0: Drew. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes, sometimes I, like, if I wear 50 sunscreen in a place that's 95 for, like, a week, I'll come back with, like, the faintest hit of copper in my skin. Can't wait. Beautiful feeling. All right. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you. Bye. Bye.